Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. All right, you guys, welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I am very, very excited to introduce our guest today. I'm going to say guests, although we've got one on screen and one off screen. So <laughs> I would love to introduce our guests. These are the Biz Bros. And I'm going to have you break down the name breakdown for us here. In a minute. <laughs> yeah. But we've got Lewis Times 2, basically. <laughs> and uh, these guys, they have been building, they are the creators of Content Momentum, also known as the Content Machine. And piece by piece, they've built their own company through exploration. You guys, this is Hearts Unleashed. We are here. We are discovering who we are and and what we're here to do. And, you know, I've shared a lot about my own story about grow as you go. In fact, this podcast, if you've been listening, you have certainly watched me grow as I go. And these brothers have been doing that as well. And they now help businesses turn their long-form content into value-packed assets to build an audience and achieve frictionless sale. I love what you're saying right here. And so, Lewis, I want to say welcome and thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, Abby, what's up? Nice to see you again. I'm super honored to be on your show. And I I love the theme of it because as you were telling a little bit of that story, I'm like, I'm going into my mind like, wow, yes, there's a lot of like heart unleashed in in our story. I'm like, I never put put it together. So... Thank you. Yes, I love it. Well, and I'm so grateful, you guys. Be sure um, we'll have all the the links and stuff in in the show notes. But their Instagram show, Content Bites, I was able to be on that just uh, probably about a month back already, and it was a lot of fun and uh, talking about consistent content and showing up. And I'd love to bring that conversation over to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. But first, before we dive into content and sales and all the fun stuff and getting yeah. your message out there, tell us a little bit about how you did get started in this work. Yeah, absolutely. So we are originally from Venezuela. So uh, we grew up there. That was like the, our entire childhood. And the number one goal for us was to play a professional soccer. So literally every decision that we made growing up or that our parents made growing mm-hmm. up was around getting to a professional level. So, you know, I, I got the chance to actually go to Italy and play there when I was 15. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm 31 now, so that's a while back. And uh, I, it was incredible, right? Like I, I went to this un- country not knowing the language and playing soccer, basically. So that, that's, you know, lots of yeah. lessons just in that one year. And then I got the chance to go and play in Spain as well when I was 18. And then something terrible happened. I got injured. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I had like, an opportunity to go there, I didn't see myself on the day-to-day mm-hmm. of that industry, right? I saw some crazy behind the scenes and I was like, this is enough. Like, I don't want to do it. I feel like I feel like I'm missing the opportunity of an education mm-hmm. while facing this, right? So I don't... Today... I'm very grateful to what we built and and the family that that I have. I don't know what would have happened, right? If I was like, let's dive in and maybe wait a couple more years, right? So, and here's why I go back home and uh, that created a lot of friction with my relationship with my dad and and family because that was literally what we worked for since I was like three years old, right? That was the sole purpose. So we didn't talk for about four months. That was pretty complicated uh, stage in my life with him, right? Mm-hmm. Until we both accept, okay, this is, you know, the end of the dream. What what can we do to move forward? And, you know, started going to school back there. Didn't really know what I was going to do because 
I literally had no plan B. And I started experimenting, started working with a company that we all might know marketing wise, uh, Red Bull. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun in that sense in college, uh, continued to play. And then the country situation got really, really challenging. Um, as you may know, Venezuela right now is not maybe the best place to uh, tackle entrepreneurship or life in general. It is <laughs> it is a full-blown dictatorship. I'm going to be fully open. And, and a lot of people have left the country. So I was faced with the decision on should I tackle the rest of my life here? Uh, build something. And I didn't really know what I was going to build. I just knew that I wanted to build something. Or should I go and look for opportunities overseas? That happened to be the plan. And uh, we literally called email about 300 soccer coaches because, you know, we play for a bunch of years. We continue to play and we're like, okay, we might have something here where let's use it to actually finance our education there. So luckily we both got email. We got emails back, about two emails back out of the 300 and some um, and we got scholarships. So I ended up coming to Florida on a D1 soccer scholarship. And uh, hence, we, we moved here in 2010. I did. And I uh, went to school, played my four, four years and, and started to develop the business side of things. Right, went to school for business school. Not sure if that really helped me on the, <laughs> the journey. <laughs> uh, but certainly, like it allowed me to, to, to be here, network, start meeting a lot of people, and above everything, met my wife, right? So now this is home. We have a two-year-old. And shortly after college, we decided to start our own company, right? We're like, okay, I'm going to get this kind of part-time job that I, I was managing some soccer franchises, like very small little schools. And we manage about different coaches in there. Mm-hmm. But that will gave me that gave me a lot of time to actually dedicate to to the business or what we thought it was our business. Right? We started throwing a lot of pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, what's, what's going to work? I just want to interject. You keep saying we, and I mentioned in the beginning, we've got two brothers named Lewis. Can you break that down for us so we can keep following Absolutely. you? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So uh, my brother, we call him Fonzie now, but his, his full name is Luis Alfonso. So it's Luis and Luis, really. Like it's two Luises, right? Yeah. And people are like, but why? You guys are actual brothers. And we we're like, yes, that's why the company's called Beast Bros. And uh, we're like, they just start laughing, right? Uh, but in Venezuela, it's very common, right? Uh, having brothers with the same first name mm-hmm. and different middle names. So mm-hmm. back in Venezuela, people would just call me Luis Daniel, right? Like the whole full name to him, yeah. they'll call him Luis Alfonso. They all yeah. work as one name. But when we came here to the States, he ends up in Texas. I, ends up, I end up in Florida. Mm. So apparently two names is way too long. <laughs> so people, <laughs> they started calling us Luis and Luis, right? In different states. And then, you know, after a few years, we came back together in Florida. And now, you know, we started working together. So that became a thing. And, and we kind of took it by the horns. And we were like, you know, it is a marketing move, kind of. Because uh, people would never forget the two Luises. And uh, <laughs> the only downside is when we go to events, uh, we actually have to show proof that we actually pay twice. Uh, so that's yeah. the thing. Because they usually <laughs> delete one of us. <laughs> yes. yes. Got it. So then you go yeah. by Luis mostly. And then yeah. Fonzie goes by Fonzie. Yes, Fonzie goes by Fonzie because he's the younger one. So he gets no choice. <laughs> you won, yeah, you won the name. Okay, got I, I won it. The name. Yes, yes. Uh, but, other, but, you know, to be fair, people tend to relate with Fonzie a little more because of happy days. And, you know, people are like, oh my God, hey, yeah. Fonzie. So, yeah, he wins, <laughs> That's actually. Cool. That's cool. So then you end up in Florida. He ends up in Texas. Where do you guys meet back up? Continuing with the soccer theme, right? Like he went to college for soccer and he gets an opportunity or we both get actually the opportunity right after college to try out for a professional soccer team here in in Florida, right? That they're just starting up number one franchise. And 
he gets it, right? He goes through the tryouts as a, literally as a practice stage to go to his next stage in college and he gets a callback. So now he's faced with the decision of, hey, am I actually going to go to college or am I actually going to pursue this professional dream? And we're like, don't do like I did, right? Because I was like, no, you still have the chance. Go do it, right? And that was entirely his decision, right? Where it sounds good. Then a year later, uh, paperwork-wise, there's some limitations, right? As being an international player and yeah. some, some spots, and they already brought people from overseas to fill that spot. Yeah. So he got the news. Hey, you know, you didn't make the team. So at that point, it was too late to go back to the old college. And he ended up his college career here. So that was a, another period where, you know, he faced that challenge on, what are we doing now? Like we, re- we both realized the soccer dream is over as mm-hmm. players. Surprise, spoiler alert, there might be something coming in the soccer industry uh, at some point. But as a player, that was over. So we were both faced with that decision like, okay, what now? I, at that time, was a little bit more in peace with that because I already, I came to college. The intention was not to go pro. Uh, that was a big plus if we mm-hmm. if we got it. But the intention was, hey, let's go through college and create an opportunity. Mm-hmm. For him, I think the dream was more alive. So that was a little bit more challenging to cope with at the time. Mm. I, I love, I appreciate the perspective because I grew up as a athlete, as a college yeah. athlete. And so, and I too, like I was, it was certainly an identity crisis for me, mind and, and, you know, I tore my knee up for the last three years of my college career. And so it wasn't super exciting or inspiring. And, and I was more focused on becoming a teacher and all of that. And so I'm curious to know what, how that transition was for you guys. And, and maybe there are different answers for the two of you. At what point did you, well, it sounds like maybe that there, is, like you said, there is future, there might be a future in some soccer situations, but yeah, just like the, like that shift from soccer into business, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So we both have a little bit slight different uh, stories, right? Because in my case, um, I was blessed with opportunities. Like, again, I left my home when I was 14, turning 15 years old to yeah. go play in Europe, right? That's the dream for a soccer player, right? Yeah. It's living in Italy and playing for a team. That was like, that was there, right? Yeah. Uh, but along the journey, I remember like identifying these different moments where like I dreaded to go practice. I love the game. Yeah. But I started to recognize that the process of getting there was a little choppy. And and, and personally, I, I wasn't enjoying it as much as like the dream of becoming the professional soccer player. So I, that, that will, like, we'll go full circle on that in a second. But mm-hmm. then when I was in Spain, the process got a lot better. And it highly depends also on who your coach is, right? Who your mentor is. Like yeah. who is that person that's going to elevate you to get to that point? And even though I was in a really awesome organization, the people that were closest to me, we're not resonating with really what I wanted to do or we're not listening, right? So yeah. it created a lot of friction to the point of I had a very bad injury and I was like, I'm done, right? Because like that, I am not enjoying this process. And I remember having a, a very vivid conversation with, with my mother, at the, you know, during that time that I was like, I really don't want to be here. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I thought I wanted this, right? But I, I don't really, and I don't know if it's the environment, right? And, and today I recognize that it was the environment. Mm. Uh, but then I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's pause it, pin it here. And then let, let's re reassess. So for me, that was that experience. So when I made the decision to come to college here in the States and play, the decision was I'm going to use what I've done the, like all my life to go finance my education in a country that's 
probably going to provide a, a great opportunity for me. Yeah, so I yeah. used it more as a tool to get there. Yeah, In my yeah. brother's case, that was quite the opposite because he did not have the opportunities I had to go play in Europe and, and for a couple of years. Yeah. He stayed home, right? All the way until he came to the States. So for him, it was a little backwards. He came to the States and like, okay, I'm going to work through college yeah. on soccer to go pro. And once he got there, the dream was so close that when the answer was no, there was a big void, right? Because he didn't have the negative experience that I had. Yeah. He still loves the game, right? We still play. We still go out and, and, and kick the soccer ball around. But for him, it was like more abrupt, right? I made that decision. The decision was made for him. So that was really challenging. And at the time, you know, as a soccer player, if you're 22, 23, you're already a little old for the sport, for professional. And yeah. to try to find those opportunities without the network is a little challenging. So, and that was a position that we both kind of fell into at that point. So... For him, that was something that lasted maybe a couple of years where it's like, okay, where can I explore? Those couple of years happened through college, like to me, like those two years in Venezuela before coming to the States, those were my two, like, what am I doing years? For him was like right after that happened here in the States. So we had to cope with that. Yeah, yeah. And so then how does that translate into your business transition? Where did business for you start? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good question and fun question. Um, we sat down and we started identifying that we really didn't want to go the traditional path after college, right? I saw a lot of my friends going that path and the industries where we live is either finance or logistics. And that we were like, I don't think we're passionate enough to go tackle this, right? In my, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going through the process and I'm like, if I don't enjoy the process, I don't think I'll be able to like support this. Um, and there was always an internal fire of, I want to build something. And uh, so we started going back and we're like, huh. And we found these patterns growing up. We're like, okay, when, when we're like five years old, right? To get money, we had to go do jobs, right? Wash cars, do the lawn and kind of stuff, right? Then we will burn CDs with songs and sell those CDs at school, right? Yeah. And all this was like to go and get money to get the things that we wanted because our parents yeah. were like, you got to go work for what you do. But we, instead of like getting like a job or something like that, we were like, we'll try to figure out these things, right? I remember doing a pitch deck <laughs> to my parents to go get my first cell phone. I'm like, this is why you need to go get me a cell phone. And it was like a, a full pitch. Like, I wish I could find that PowerPoint. <laughs> but I remember what was one of those Nokias, right? Nokias, like the, the yeah. blue ones that... And uh, and so on. I remember going to a market where they will sell these soccer jerseys that would look exactly like the like the professional soccer players, and, and, and we'll buy them for let's say five dollars, five dollars, and then we'll upsell them for twenty five in school, right? Because they yeah. didn't know where we found them, and they look exactly the same. So we're like, wow, those patterns are there. Yeah. Does that mean that we have a facility? Like, is it easy for us to go tackle that kind of thing? Through college, I started a blog called Mass Life, right? And it was all about seeing and spotting these awesome positive experiences mm. and documenting it on the blog to the point that we did four live events in Jacksonville as soon as I graduated college. And it was like games, it was workouts, it was different things, right? So we we're always like in this path of trying new things and see what resonated. And again, the pebbles, right? Yeah. Throwing pebbles to see what stuck. So when this crisis happens, right, we sit down and we're like, okay, we know that we don't want to go get a job because I don't think we'll be happy there. Mm -hmm. uh, or so we thought. Let's build something. What can we build? And our roommate came in and we were living in this seven bedroom house. And he's like, guys, 
I have an idea. Let's go sell stickers. So he literally <laughs> bought a vinyl sticker uh, machine and he's like, let's go sell stickers. And we're like, how do we make stickers? We don't know. How do we market stickers? We don't know. Who do we sell to? We don't know. So, but whatever, we'll go figure it out. Right. So we literally <laughs> start going, knocking on coffee shops, gym studios, uh, any little business that we could get our hands off and be like, hey, by the way, we make vinyl stickers. Will you want to buy one? And the process was so slow painfully slow, not only on the selling side, but also on the production side, because we didn't know what we didn't know, right? Business school, I don't think it helped me much in that sense. But um, then we decided to do screen printing. So we invested in a machine. We put it in the garage of our house. And in Florida weather, 90 degree weather, printing t-shirts, that was a little bit of a challenge. So going back to enjoying the journey, right? Enjoying the process. I I went back to my soccer days. I'm like, wow, like I'm not really enjoying this. I might need to be a little bit more educated on on how to build a business. So we started researching how to really build a business, how to really market this business. And we decided that t-shirts and stickers might not be a thing, (laughs) but we decided to dive in into this marketing world uh, and build our own frameworks and so on. So that's how we started to transition from that place to what we are now is by experimenting and trying new things literally like almost every single month until we found something that we really enjoyed and that we became really good at. Yeah. And what has that turned into now? Like, because first off, just thanks for sharing the journey because I relate. I can imagine how many of our, because Hearts Unleashed is definitely, I talk a lot about entrepreneurship. It's a lot about emotional yeah. intelligence. And, but, emo, you know, I I can remember selling, selling stickers, selling t-shirts. I was like in high school, I was always selling something or, you know, running the fundraiser. And I like to joke, I can't drive past an empty building without thinking of something to put in it. So there's this like entrepreneurial spirit that many people are born with. And whether they cultivate that or not is a different story. But I think a lot of us have it and we don't maybe know about it or we do and we don't know what to do with it. So can you tell us what to do with it? (laughs) What to do with it? Well, I think we're all trying to figure out, you know, so maybe some people are further ahead than we are, right? Like, and I I think that's part of understanding that journey, right? Like, I don't think you're there, never there because... Yeah. Um, I remember having this cause like, I, I tend to call my parents like almost every single day. Like they're, they're back in Venezuela. The dream is to bring him over here. And yeah. you know, they're all rock, right? Like that. They're the people that ground us every time that we're going through a bad moment. Like we just give him a call and we're like, Hey, this is happening. Right. And they're, even though they have no idea what's going on, right? Like in the, in the business side of thing, they, they always say these things that, that make the most sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember, you know, one day we were really frustrating, very, very frustrated. Yeah. And it was like right after a massive milestone. We generated over six figures just with a with a podcast, right? And we're like, that's a massive milestone, right? Yeah. But because we're like inside of it, right? There's new challenges coming our way. We're like, how do we do the next thing? We didn't really stop to celebrate that massive milestone, right? And I remember, you know, I talked to my mom like, oh man, the thing with the team and, and the process and, and it was like, we need to figure this out. This new client comes in and... X, Y, Z, right? Like problem, problem, problem. And then she goes like, hey, stop. Breathe, right? Look back and look at what you've done. Yeah. You guys came to a country with a suitcase to go to school, play soccer, got the school paid for, like no student debt, uh, got a job, it started a, a business or a few businesses, right? Learn, had a blast. You are married to a beautiful woman, right? You you now have a kid. You moved out of the frat house. We call it the frat house, the seven yeah. bedroom, right? <laughs> you moved out of the frat house. You now have a, a beautiful home with a dog, with your wife. 
food is on the table, you work with your brother, you have a team that, you know, you are, that they're with you every single, like breathe, right? And then like, wow, like, ha, huh, that was a massive moment because you're like, you guys just had this milestone that a year ago, that was not a thing, right? And, you know, we've crossed many milestones after that, but at the same time, that was the most significant because it was, yes, let's look back for a second and be like, wow, let's be so thankful that we've achieved this, right? And as we started, if we look back with the Luises like five years ago, right? That would have been like such a massive like hill, but you know, yeah. we started working step by step and like, okay, what works, what doesn't, what works, what doesn't, and then continue relentlessly to execute. Yeah. Uh, what helped was also that we were enjoying the process, obviously. Same thing. So now we turn around and we're like, okay, we have these challenges, but we've achieved this. We have teams, we have people in our corner, we have mentors, we have people that root for us. So thankful for this. Thank you for this opportunity. Right now, let's go tackle that. So, and I think with the people that we've had on the show or in, in Content Bites, like you, for example, or in Content is Profit, we've we've seen that pattern. Even though some people, for us, they might be, or they might appear so far ahead, Mm. they're going through the same things. So that's what has helped us so much to cope with the journey because like, okay, now that I recognize that it's always going to be like that, I can put systems in place that are going to allow me to evolve with the, mm. with the whole experience, right? But now I understand that that's not going to change. That's going to continue to be there. So how can I make the most out of it? So I think that that's helped us big time. I absolutely love it. I, and I appreciate it so much because that, I mean, you you keep speaking into like what Hearts Unleashed is all about because and particularly around how you said, like there's there are people that seem like they're farther along that are still dealing with like whatever they're dealing with and uh, new level, new devil, new heights, new frights. Like there's new things at each level to grow with and deal with. And so I appreciate you bringing that because the idea of Hearts Unleashed is like we interview people who are living their heart unleashed to inspire those who are not. In or that they can right, and so I just so appreciate you bringing it down to such a simple concept and and being able to share that and reminding us that it is a step by step process. That if you look at five years, if you think about starting five years to where you are, it is a steep hill. Like that's where people, you know, and I'd love for you to maybe offer some beginners some tips around getting started and such, because when we look at such an uphill battle, it's overwhelming and maybe we quit. But if you just keep going, like that's my rule too, just keep going, just keep showing up step by ever loving step. And so is there any tips you have for someone who like has a really big dream and might just be getting started or actually isn't getting started because they're scared and overwhelmed? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. I can share some of our experience and hopefully that that will help <laughs> some people get there. Um, I don't think there's a right answer to that question yeah. of everything, right? So elements that have helped us get there. I remember when we first get started, we'll have um, the, the greed, right? Like we want money, right? Like for yeah. us, that was a, the the thing. Like we wanted to make money so we could you know, bring our parents. But at the time was, we want money so I can actually buy a car, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, yeah. I need to, like, I, I just want a better car. Like I had like these amazing Toyota Yaris, but I wanted a different car, right? Yeah. And we, are, sometimes we fell victim, we fall victim to the bro marketer, right? Like the Lambo guy, the, you know, yeah. we're, we're so passive, by the way, like, it's like, we do not care. Like I own a Jeep. I love my Jeep because he allows me to go to the beach and that's it. That's my Jeep. Jeep. Let's go. Um, so, but, you know, at first it was that, is is that that greed that kind of started. Now, if we stay there, it's going to be really, really challenging to move forward, right? Because we're not going to see past that. We're not going to be like, okay, how can I actually, if you're providing a service, mm-hmm. 
how can I actually serve my people the best mm-hmm. way possible? Mm-hmm. Because we're just like, oh, I just want to sell the sell the sell the money, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're not going to be able to sustain a team or we're not going to be able to sustain the business, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're so short-sighted. So as helpful as I can be, like the grid will get you moving. Yeah. Then after that, we got to really figure out Start trying new things. Like for us, we tried the stickers, the t-shirts. We sold some kind of ebook. Like it completely failed, right? We <laughs> had to go back to get a job. We got a job, right? We learned on the job and then we can, we got back out. And we're like, so, and and these things like uh, evolved. So just, we decided, we, we identified, I guess, these patterns that we're like, okay. So these things is happening, right? Where we're having this, we're trying these things. I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with, this B thing. Like I'm okay with this C thing, but I'm not okay with this D thing. Right. So, so it's like identifying those patterns. And what I would recommend is make a, a, a either a mental note or write them down. Be like, I am okay with doing this. I'm okay with doing this. I'm not okay with doing this. So you're going to start learning a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Once that's like a little bit more set up, you're going to find something that you're really passionate about. So if you already have that, Incredible, like double down on there. We do yeah. not have that because our passion was soccer. I'm playing soccer. And that was like, that was that that ended right so we're like okay we gotta find a new thing right so that's where we tried a bunch of stuff um and i remember who's the the guy that does the discovery channel show that has all these crazy jobs um Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, Ugly jobs or something like that. Well, he like every worst episode, jobs in America or something. Worst like, jobs like, in America, right? So he has. <laughs> I remember a quote that he says, like, if you don't really know what to do, just go try a bunch of jobs, right? Like, you're gonna get paid from it. You're gonna learn a ton. You're gonna meet a ton of people, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so on. And recently we had another interview, and and this guy, he's he's traveling the world, like doing incredible things, and he's like, yeah start throwing pebbles. And a lot of people think is you got to dive in a hundred percent or yeah, not yeah. dive at all. Whether there's an incredible area in the middle where it's like, you can still do a side hustle and try and have your safety net of whatever job. So to me, that was unthinkable because I was like, I am going to go dive in a hundred percent. Well, guess what? Yeah, After yeah. diving in a hundred percent, like I hit the wall many times. I'm like, Okay, let me learn my lesson. So that's why we came back at some point to have a job and build something on the on the side until we found that really big thing. And then we went all, all in. So those are a few steps. After we get going, after you find that one thing, remove the friction from execution as much as possible. So in our case, publishing was a must. We had to go out there. We had to put our message out. We had to create some kind of a show of a platform. And when we first started... I remember having a setup with like two, three cameras. We got the lights because we used to do video production. One of those elements that we did was video production. So we had the equipment. And I remember wanting to have the perfect show, multi-cam, blah, 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 right? It's a ton of friction in the setup because it took about an hour to do. Then we would not do it live. So if we made a mistake, we will start over. Uh, Then my brother was the one that had to edit the whole thing. So he's like, I'm not one. I don't want to edit this. So all that friction. So we identify those friction points and be like, okay, how can we execute without that? There's mm-hmm. going to be a way for us was going live. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. why we do the show live every single time, right? So it's like, okay, how can I execute? Because as soon as you start executing consistently, oh, baby, that's when the thing gets really fun and you start narrowing down what you really enjoy and then you can start systematize, systematizing, giving yeah. 
people task, if you have people, right? So that's kind of like the path that we took. And I hope that helps a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, I mean, it was so good. And I love the tip, remove the friction. Cause like, it's challenging enough to show up, right? Like it takes something of us, whether that's courage or commitment or vision yeah. or clarity, there's plenty of reasons not to show up. And, and if you're, if it's, if it's because your setup is too difficult, like you're definitely not going to show up. So thank you for that one. And then, um, you said something that I think is really, really important. It's okay to be inspired by money, particularly as you start, right? Like I think that a lot of people try to hide out about that when really most of us are. And and that's because like, that's the way that the world works and it's easier to have money at, at your dispense. And I love that you were able to just like say that. And I felt like you made it okay for us hearing that because there are so many people who choose a side gig or starting a business or taking, especially when it occurs as risky, it feels risky to put yourself out there. Cause I get, and I respect a nine to five, like it's not for me. However, and also thank you for just sharing your journey as far as like, we tried, we tried, we tried, we failed, we failed, we failed. We got some jobs, we had to fix it up. And I've been there, done that. And I've been coaching for five years. And I remember like, trying to share the work and not being able to share it very well or being afraid of making sales or but also being inspired by money and blah 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 and the whole journey and then having to get a couple jobs to make sure that my bills are met or my needs are met and so i just love the way that you normalize so much of the journey because i think a lot of people out there think the day they open their doors is the day they become successful and that's not so true. <laughs> and so I so appreciate that. And so tell us a little bit as we kind of start to wrap it up here at the end is like, what is it that you do with a client? How does this go for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So through those things that we were doing for so many people, right? We landed on the idea that we could market. And this is happening with actually somebody that's actually going to start working with us. Yeah. They were a neuro something like super advanced education, right? <laughs> yeah. Husband, wonderful guy in the fitness industry. They're developing this incredible software that's a massive solution for the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. I used to work in the fitness industry, right? That was the job I came back to. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is incredible, right? So he's like, I recruited my wife <laughs> so she could help me on the marketing side. Like, even though that's not her thing, right? Like, yeah. she never studied marketing, nothing, right? But then... When we're in this solopreneur journey, right? Those are elements. There's different hats that we wear. And one of those is the marketer hat, right? We need to figure out what our message is. Like, what are we going to say? How are we going to actually, you know, market what we do? So then we start going through this massive rabbit hole of things. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, which by the way, is a lot of fluff out there. So be careful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like this massive rabbit hole. We were in that rabbit hole. So we're like, oh, I read two books and I feel like I'm an expert now. I'm actually going to go sell this thing. Mm -hmm. Guilty, right? We were those guys. Like We were like, oh, I read this book. I'm like, this is the thing that I'm going to turn around and provide a service for these people. I'm not going to throw an advice out there. But for us, that was part of our journey. I'm hugely thankful. It just created a ton of friction for us. Yes. And it was really, really hard. So, so what we did in that time was like, okay, we're going to go to businesses, right? And we're going to say, we're the anti-marketing agency. That was our positioning, right? And they were like, and we would come in and we're like, what are you frustrated with, right? What are you doing that you're not? And they'll tell us something and we're like, sounds good. We can do it different way. Yeah. And then we'll go execute. So we're very, we're like very passionate about what we do. And at the time we're like, we will work our booty off mm. to get results. And we did. Now what this created was different products, different things, different services, right? Because we were solving a different problem for different people. Mm -hmm. Now, at first, like at the outside, it would look great because we have 
were creating some revenue. It was a freelance gig. Like it wasn't really a company at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it created a lot of friction with our clients because we weren't giving 100% of our attention, of our expertise to that one thing that we're helping them with. Mm-hmm. And it created a lot of friction between me and my brother because mm-hmm. we had no systems in place to support that. And so we started seeing that and we're like, man, we need to change something. So we decided to narrow down to just one thing. We're like, we started listening to the feedback and what people wanted. And the constant thing that they said was, we want more content. And we're like, okay, let's explore that. Why do you want more content? Like, is it a status thing? Is it like a revenue generating activity kind of thing? Is it, what is it, right? So we started exploring this question and we decided to tackle the problem of content in a very specific way with our product called Quantum Momentum today. So at the time, there was not Quantum Momentum, it was a system of Quantum Machine system, right? So we developed a system called the M2M, which is short for macro to micro, right? If you create a long-form content, we create all your micro assets, whatever that looks like, right? So we started going to these fitness studios and we help studio managers get their time back. They don't have to go hire anybody. They don't have to go explain a framework. They don't have to go develop a system. It was literally a plug and play and it worked. And we're like, oh, okay. Great, we have this thing, right? And then COVID happened. <laughs> and uh, and then all the brick and mortar businesses that we were helping completely shut down. And we we're like, man, what do we do? So we launched the shows. Uh, and we we're like, okay, the show is going to be a platform for us to talk about these incredible things that we're doing every single day, documenting the journey, X, Y, Z. But also it's going to serve us as a platform for us to develop the system, right? So immediately after, something wonderful happened. The second we started sharing our journey, we put our thoughts into words, put it out there, we found our people. People started reaching back out. we like, hey, what are you guys doing? How are you doing that? X, Y, Z. And the incredible thing was that we recovered all the sales within three weeks and then we tripled sales within three months. Yeah. And then we were able to hire a team because we focused on that one thing that we decided upon, right? And then, so now what we do really is is that is we create the content multi-purposing depending on what the strategy is. There's different levels to it. We've taught it. We've done challenges. And it's been a fun journey this past almost two years now, which is crazy. So yeah, that's what we do as a business now. (laughs) Oh, that's so rad. And something that you were sharing, first off, just cool. Like cool because a lot of people are wondering how to get their content out there, how to get their story out there and develop an online presence. I think that a lot of people have the idea up in their head or they have the vision of it working in their head and then it does not translate to their content. And so what would you say to maybe a beginner content creator and it's not translating or they're not getting their message out there? What do you have to say for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Good question. One, going back to remove the friction. That counts not only for your business side of things, but for publishing. Like if it's something that, if we're rethinking, publishing is not an option anymore. This is a must for any business. We got to change perspective to be like, I am a media company that has a service or a product. Yeah. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of competition out there. And to the point that if people go research you and there's nothing there, They're not going to think that you're legit. They're not going to think that you are real. We've been on those conversations. That's why we started publishing. We're like, we had a meeting with eight people and they were like, but what is yours? And we're like, we thought that we were going to crush it because they came from our best customers. They were referrals, right? When you were like, oh, this is a hand-me-down sale, right? No, no, no. These guys were like, where is your stuff? And we're like, oh man, so crazy. So it's a must. So now, okay, now that we understand that that's a must, how do we actually get the ball rolling. So at first, we talk about this concept called the publishing pyramid, right? And it's four stages. And I'm going to break it down very quickly. We got to understand it from the top 
to bottom and then execute mm-hmm. from bottom up. So at the top, mm-hmm. what we see really on massive publishing that, that we model or the, our idols, our coaches, XYZ, is the massive resources that they have. Because that's just the tip of the iceberg. We see X amount of videos being published. We see the, the high-end production. We see the TikTok-specific editors, right? We see that. And then we try to model that. And then we get frustrated because the end result might not be that, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to understand what are our resources internally. Like, mm-hmm. is that me? Is that just me as a person? Do I have a team? What are the resources that I have today to execute, right? Right under that is capacity, right? If a big company has a ton of resources, their capacity is going to be larger, right? It's going to be yeah. massive. Yeah. If it's just us, what is that capacity? Like, meaning time, right? What is the time that I have to create and what is the time that I have to distribute, which is equally or more importantly than just creating? Yes, there's like five jobs in one. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So we got to understand that. We got to be brutally honest with like that, right? And then right under capacity, consistency, right? How how can we stay consistent? That's very key, right? How can we be? And so understanding capacity is okay. I can be consistent three times a week. I can be consistent five times a week. I can be consistent one time a week. We have different cadences for different types of publishing. For example, for our show, is three times a week. Mm-hmm. For Facebook Lives, is every day, right? And then for microassets, it's a whole another capacity and a whole different story. So we got to understand, okay, where am I starting, right? And remove the friction so we can actually execute consistently. The bottom of that is the message. Like, what is your message? What are you actually standing for? What are you standing against? What are the results? What are the testimonials? What is your product? Like those things go at the very bottom. So once we understand that, then we can go back up, right? And we go like, okay, I got my message right. I know exactly what I sell. I know exactly what problem I solve. I know exactly who I help, right? Mm-hmm. Then we go, okay, consistency. Decide on your consistency. What is it? For us, we started with Facebook Lives. That's how we started. We're like, we have no capacity to do a full-on show. What we're going to do is we're going to remove all the friction and we're just going to grab our phone and record live every single day for 45 days straight, right? So um, that's exactly what we did every single day. And then capacity, right? What is my capacity? Is it 10 minutes a day? Is it 30 minutes a day? We got to be super, super specific on that. And I think a lot of people jump that step. They don't measure. We don't, we don't measure our time in creation and publishing. So that's going to allow you to get a budget. That's going to allow you to forecast if you want to bring a team on. It's going to allow you to build a system. And then at the top is resources. So connect it with revenue as in connect your content to your sales process. That's very important. People do yeah. not connect that. It's like, no. hey, join me on it's a DM, mystery. join me on a call. Like, exactly. It's like, I put it out there and it's going to come. We got to be super proactive at first. Yeah. And then from there, resources are going to go higher because we're going to get money out of the yeah. sale and the service that we're providing. Yeah. And then we can invest back in the system. Like we can hire people to help us out. We can do this. So uh, that, that's going to extrapolate. So hopefully that creates a path uh, for us to start identifying what are those elements and then build your own thing, right? Do not go model after somebody else. There's systems that you can plug in. Yeah. Like ours, for example, the M2M is really helpful at some degree, but it's not helpful for organic content. So somebody that's really passionate about that very organic content, yeah, it's okay, but they can still build that their own framework. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. There's so much gold in what you shared. So thank you because I imagine I could see some of our listeners just like writing down what you're saying or you know putting it pieces together. So and that if someone wanted to work with you on this process, um, maybe a small business or something, where could they connect with you and find you? Yeah, absolutely. Easier place is social media. You can send us a quick DM at bizbrosco. That's where, you know, me and my brother kind of hang out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know. We have a few options where you can come in. The best way is really a Facebook group that we have, a community that we're building. 
we are there every Thursday chatting it up, having these kind of conversations. But yeah, if you have any specific questions, happy to answer them through DMs. I yeah, respond yeah. more to DMs than emails at all. <laughs> so. Thank you. Me too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have to tell a few people like, hey, I saw your email, but I didn't, you know, it's, I don't, I, what do you what do you need? <laughs> you know, because DM is just so much, it's faster, I would say, but uh, yeah. thank you for <laughs> normalizing that with me. <laughs> no worries. And, you know what, Luis, Luis times two. Um, I'm so grateful that you were here. I'm so grateful for you sharing so much of your knowledge and your experience. I think it's very relatable and yet so unique, right? Like we do actually have global listeners. So I imagine that people from other countries might relate to your story uh, in, in some really unique ways as well. So thank you so much for sharing. And thanks for continuously showing up for the dream. Like it's really brilliant. It's really inspiring. And um, I'm going to wrap up with our last podcast based question is what does it look like for Luis to be living his heart unleashed? Oh, that is a loaded question. Um, (laughs) You know, I feel like today I'm there. But I know like there's so much more, right? Like it's, here's what happened. When we started publishing and we started being ourselves and showing up and, you know, you see all these Lego thingies and the toys and the things and the books and like that, this is us, right? Like, and when we started being ourselves and putting it out there, not only it helped on the business, absolutely, but it, most than anything, it helped us grow internally. Mm -hmm. So we've actually had this conversation where like, if we were to shut down everything, the one thing that doesn't go ever is publishing. Because not only these conversations that we could be having today, but the connections, the relationships that we've been able to build with incredible people all around the world, which I'm sure you have too, right? Like it's it's massive, right? And, and my wife is like, I don't understand it, right? She's very, uh, she's incredible, but she's a very uh, system person. Like she's like, I'm yeah. going in, I, the, I do my thing and then that's it, family time, right? I'm more of an extrovert, 100%, right? But I'm like, I love connecting with this person. I love connecting with this. So uh, that that's that's one. So I think like ha- I'm halfway there. Uh, I would love to have my family here with me. So that's uh, that's another one. So it's like, okay, building enough resources to be able to to do that and provide and and, and do and, and really providing and, and giving the impact that we started to create with the show has been an incredible you know experience. And hopefully we can do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's really beautiful. And it's such a message of hope. So just thank you for that. Because I think anyone can do this work is but it does take a certain level of commitment and showing up and you certainly have that and you've got that drive and that fire and it's really uh, inspiring to hear and I, I'm, I'm all motivated right now. So I'm gonna go do 100 things. <laughs> Let's go. We might have to meet you on the road trip at some point. Hey, that would be yeah. Well, and and we'll have to touch base about that because uh, I know we're making our way through Florida, so that'll be awesome. Yes, yes, let's do it. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and one last thing I wanted to say was like, yes, about you know connecting and meeting new people. It has been such a pleasure. I know I got to be on your show, and that was great. But it's really been a pleasure to get to hear more of your story and meet more of you. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. I really awesome. appreciate it. Yeah. And Hearts, thank you for being here. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you got exactly what you needed today from the episode, from all this information. And if you want to connect, be sure to head over to the show notes where we have all the links and you can connect with Luis Brothers online everywhere that they are. And so thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. 
For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.